When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Economist. In London, this is The Economist with Tasting Menu, a selection of the tastiest morsels from this week's issue. I'm Anne McElvoy and I lead Economist Radio. On our menu this week, DIY design in South Korea brings down the house, sewing sensors into skin and why even intense stress might be good for us. But first, Erdogan's revenge, our cover line this week. After a military coup in Turkey failed to unseat the president, retribution has been forceful and swift. But the harsh reprisals risk damaging far more than just the country itself, as our cover line explained. Opposition parties, no matter how much they may despise President Recep Tayyip Erdogan, united to denounce the assault on democracy. Better the flawed, Islamist-tinged strongman than the return of the generals for the fifth time since the 1960s. Yet alarmingly, the president is now eroding the very democratic society so many died to defend. About 6,000 soldiers have been arrested. Thousands more policemen, prosecutors and judges have been sacked or suspended. So have academics, teachers and civil servants, though there is little sign they had anything to do with the coup. The fallout from this brutal backlash risks leaking past Turkey's borders. Unrestrained, he will lead his country to more conflict and chaos. And that, in turn, poses a serious danger to Turkey's neighbours, to Europe and to the West. Handled differently, that failed coup could have made Erdogan the picture of democratic statesmanship. Mr Erdogan could have become the magnanimous unifier of a divided nation, unmuzzling the press, restarting peace talks with Kurds and building lasting independent institutions. Instead, he is falling into paranoid intolerance. And that is never an attractive prospect for onlooking financial funders. To stay afloat, the country needs foreign investment and loans, so it must reassure foreigners that it is stable. With Mr Erdogan acting like a vengeful sultan, that will be hard. As Turkish democracy continues to be unceremoniously unpicked, elsewhere in the issue, we investigated an intriguing example of some rather smarter needlework. An article in our science section took a look at some innovative medical technology being tried out, or rather tried in, sewing sensors into the skin. Wearable and implantable medical gadgets are a promising technology. By continuously collecting information from patients, they make it easier to diagnose and treat whatever the problem may be. But most of the sensors in such devices have to lie flat against the body. That limits what they can do. So researchers are digging deeper into the problem. Their proposal? Putting sensors into thread. Thread has many advantages. It is cheap, flexible and mostly tolerated by human bodies. Yes, yeah, some of you might remember sewing your fingers together in school, but this is a slightly more refined version. Electrodes for recording mechanical or chemical activity can be created by covering the threads with conductive ink. Sensors designed to measure physical strain, useful in monitoring wound healing, 
can be made by coating stretchy fibres with carbon nanotubes and silicon. Sounds exciting, but it might be best to wait until doctors try it first. In other words, don't try this at home. Not quite the message we were seeing over in South Korea, however. As an article in our Asia section explained, TV shows on DIY design are bringing down the house. A wife and daughter arrive home to find their living room transformed. Behind a partition... Daddy is sitting in a soundproof cubicle, strumming his guitar. He offers his stunned wife a drink at his new bar and gleefully shows off his table football skills. Stunned may be rather an understatement. Indeed, they haven't just stepped into his imagination. He is the star of a recent episode of Macho House, a new television show that creates dream spaces for South Korean men. This show, we explained, is more about witty wisecracks than brilliant blueprints. But it taps into a growing desire among South Koreans to rearrange their private living spaces. One of the reasons, it seems, is a thrifty retreat from urban mayhem. Amid an economic slump, city-dwelling South Koreans are seeking solace in their cramped flats. They want time there to be very special, almost festive, says So Yoon Young, an architect and author. As South Koreans spruce up their zones of seclusion and slip away from the hustle and bustle, we flip through quietly to our international section, which took a surprisingly positive view of urban pressures. Stress is as common to city life as froth milk to cappuccinos, yet, as we explained, new research suggests that even severe stress might be doing us some good. It has been linked to high blood pressure headaches, stomach upset and insomnia. Some of those might sound a little too familiar and stress can come at people from all sorts of different angles. One person may be stressed by exams but happily swim with great white sharks. Another may have to take sedatives before flying but adore speaking to a crowd. Yet now many scientists are saying that tackling stress requires a little lateral thinking. The same stress, perceived differently, can trigger different physical responses, with differing consequences in turn for both performance and health. Go on. People who have a more positive view of stress are more likely to behave in a constructive way. A study by Aaliyah Crum of Stanford University's Mind and Body Lab found that students who believed stress enhances performance were more likely to ask for detailed feedback after an uncomfortable public speaking exercise. And thinking that stress isn't out to get us could make sure that it doesn't. Seeing stressors as challenges rather than threats invites physiological responses that improve thinking and cause less physical wear and tear. I would stress that you can read our full report in this week's issue, but don't get too worked up about it. It seems African bankers could do with a read after falling commodity prices seems to be taking a toll on their profits. Money Talks, our weekly podcast on business and finance, delved into the troubles stalking the industry. Here's Jonathan Rosenthal, our Africa editor, discussing the growing concerns about the system. A lot of what these banking crises, uh, both in Nigeria and elsewhere in the continent, are exposing is a, a bit of a legacy of somewhat weak regulatory uh, cover. The the banking standards in Africa are not the same level as one sees elsewhere in the world. A lot of them still have to move into the kind of Basel II, Basel III tiers. Regulators really need to 
tighten up and clean out their systems. Riding the peaks and troughs of the world economy means that occasionally you might have to take a hit or two. For a more literal interpretation, you need turn no further than our business section this week. An article explored a once niche martial art, which seems to have grown into a world heavyweight. Bloodied bone visibly juts out of his ring finger. But Josh Emmett keeps on fighting. Watching it is an acquired taste. At the Ultimate Fighting Championship, or UFC, broken bones need not stop the spectacle. Violence sells. And in the case of UFC, a mixed martial arts league, it sells for $4 billion, the largest sale of a single sports organisation in history. That's certainly a punchy profit for the previous owners. For Lorenzo and Frank Fertitta, who bought UFC for just $2 million in 2001, this month's deal is a thumping victory. So why such a huge sum for some well-mannered fisticuffs? Live sports are commanding ever higher premiums for broadcast rights, as networks fear losing viewers' attention to the internet and smartphones. And that's left a nascent sport grappling with its new success. We finish with a peek into the pages where no punches are pulled, the letters to the editor. One loyal reader wrote in to comment on a recent Johnson column in our Books and Arts section, in which a partial defence was offered for the passive tense, the shock. Jim Rhodes from Virginia lays out the cases in the Battle of the Tenses. Active or passive? An active verb can convey a powerful message. The most perfect sentence ever written is, Jesus wept. One subject and one active verb, conveying intense emotion. Biblical brevity at its best. Now his argument for the passive side. Isaiah's mighty prophecy, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. Passivity sounding rather grand there, and for the even grander finale, Mr Rhodes turned to the Declaration of Independence. What editor would dare touch this? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. The defence rests, or the case has been made by the defence. And our tasting menu was subjected to the Economist's style guide and nonetheless presented by me, Anne McElvoy. Do send us your feedback via email radio at economist.com or on Twitter at Economist Radio. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist.